Lily, can we talk about how useful we have found the Media Moves newsletter from Cision? Yeah, I didn't know about this before and now I've signed up. It is so useful. You get a list on there every week of all the different people moving around different publications. And basically you've got a ready-made list of commissioning editors with their contact details, which you can then use when you want to pitch. It's so helpful. Yeah, and on top of that, as a freelancer, you can actually list yourself as looking for work and your details so people know all about you and where to find you. Yeah, it's so useful. I'd really recommend people go and have a look at scission.co.uk, click on journalist services and then have a look out for media moves and you can sign up for the newsletter there. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Lily Cantor. And I'm Emma Wilkinson. We're both experienced freelance journalists and in each episode, with the help of two fabulous guests, we give practical tips on key issues you face when working for yourself. Today is a really good topic and it's something we both have in different ways. Yes, so today we're going to talk about side hustles. Should you have one? How to juggle other working interests with your freelance journalist role? And is there a point at which a side hustle starts to become your main job? Yes. So I also work as a running coach alongside my freelance journalism. So I'm really interested to hear how others manage different aspects of their work. Yeah. So I don't have such a different side hustle as you, but I do do teaching, for example. Um, So I do have lots of questions about this. But first, let's get to our highlight of the week. Lily, what's yours? Well, I'm going to uh, start with a with a running related one um, because um, this week I managed to have a um, test in a running lab, which is something I've wanted to do for ages. Um, and it's for an article, and they actually sort of came to me, uh, Loughborough University, and asked me if I would go and um, be tested <laughs> and find out all about my running fitness and they do this like special um physiological report on you like I say it's something I've always wanted to do so it's really great that I could do it for work um and be able to write about it even though it was quite a tough test to go through um it was actually something I really enjoyed in quite a sort of slightly masochistic way but it was good fun how about you Emma what, what was yes, yours you're quite brave. I think I'd be terrified about doing a test like that, that I'd just fall off the back of the running machine or something. Um, yeah, so mine this week is quite a good one for side hustles. So I'm also vice chair of the Medical Journalists Association um, and I've been working on putting together an event for them. So I do all this for free and it's been really hard work trying to find the right guests and people aren't around and kind of juggling everything but we've got a really good lineup now and people have started to book onto the event and it's all started to come together. So few, I feel like we're on the, the final, the last stretch before the event in April. And I'm excited to meet everyone because it is a face-to-face event and it's going to happen in real life. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, so it's time to introduce this week's guests. With us is freelance journalist Dean Sterling-Jones, who is a chef, but also has a side hustle as a freelance journalist. 
He specialises in misdisinformation and has written for BuzzFeed News, Guardian, Daily Beast and Foreign Policy. Dean also has an investigative journalism blog, Shooting the Messenger. We also have with us Wasim Mirza, a sci-tech journalist and presenter who does screen and voice acting as well. He started out working on BBC Tech News show Click and has worked across BBC News. Um, he also has credits in several TV shows and films, most recently in the HBO series Pennyworth. So thank you both very much for coming on today and providing your expertise. Wasim, you were a science and technology journalist and presenter for many years. Can you talk to me about that and then how you moved into acting? Was there a period, is there a period that you're doing both? And how do you explain to people now what you do? Sure. Uh, well, I went to university uh, at Lincoln and studied journalism. And in my final two years, I decided to specialise in broadcast journalism. And while I was working uh, on that course, I call it working because that's the environment it was actually from day to day, a, a very realistic sort of newsroom environment. Um, and so that's how I remember it. And while I was studying there, um, I began working as a casual journalist, um, typically in BBC newsrooms. Um, and so I remember going down on a train from Lincoln to places like BBC Radio Leicester and also in London, um, where I, I had secured a placement during my course to spend a few weeks on work experience at, at a technology programme called Click. And it was there that... Um, I really made myself indispensable day to day um, and I was offered uh, a regular contract uh, on a fixed term basis and that fitted in, eventually fitted in very well with my studies. So that was my routine, doing that and work experience at BBC Radio Leicester and then the Asian Network. And all those bits of experiences um, helped me to be in a better position to apply for jobs just before I graduated. And... So a couple of months, about four months before graduation, um, I was really fortunate to land a, a trainee journalist role for um, the BBC television region called Look East, which covers East Anglia and parts of the home counties. Um, but my role then was purely focused on Norfolk, Suffolk and Essex. Um, and that was a really good training ground um, for everything else that uh, that came after that. Um, but in 2018, um, I sort of pivoted or began to feel the inclination to pivot to other forms of storytelling. And whether that be factual or um, or, 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 or traditional uh, non-fiction. And that's when I decided to take up training as an actor uh, at a part-time drama school. And then it, it was actually during the pandemic or at the, at, the, at the very beginnings of the pandemic that that completed. And I was in a position to sort of segue quite neatly into a career, into acting and go freelance. Um, so now, because of all the different hats that I wear, I do my typical week involves voiceovers for corporates and commercial clients and and also presenting for corporates and commercial entities, um, most typically 
um, companies that, that that have a message to explain to their own audiences, typically their own workforces. So internal corporate videos. And then I supplement that with other work such as acting as well. And and so this year is quite a big year for, for my pivot, as it were, um, in acting, where uh, I, I have a debut in a, a Warner Brothers TV series, uh, an adaptation of a DC Comics uh, superhero, the Batman, um, which tells the story of, of Batman's butler, uh, Alfred Pennyworth. And funnily enough, I play a TV reporter in that and so, uh, again, I'm continuing that. I feel as though I'm continuing in journalism, just in a different form uh, or different medium. Uh, yeah, but I was yeah. going to say you can see lots of natural links there between all those different aspects of your work. You're used to being on screen, like you say. You're used to kind of presenting and storytelling. Um, do you had you always had an interest in in drama? Or was that something that came a bit later? I think I had several different interests when I was growing up, uh, but I always knew that I wanted to be um, performing or telling stories in some shape or form, um, probably with a microphone in hand, uh, because that's probably one of my earliest memories, running around the house with a microphone pretending that I'm on air. So, um, so <laughs> um, And I think there's a photo somewhere. It's really cringy as well. Um but yeah, uh, I think I think it's really interesting that you ask that because I can't pin down why, but I know that after doing sort of eight years of presenting, uh, I was presenting news for um, for a younger generation um, on BBC One for the Look East region, which took its format from BBC Three trying to expand interest in news amongst an underserved audience at that time uh, from the age range of 15 to 35. And um, after doing that for a period, um, I, I had this inclination to try to, to expand my storytelling, I think, in different forms. Because I was so used to presenting a condensed news bulletin um, for people that are really busy and have other things going on and they want a quick digest of the day's top stories, I began to develop a real love for long-form storytelling and sort of more longer-form documentary-style storytelling, which I explored at Look East a lot, um, again, on the tech subjects, which are the subjects that really um, do attract me um, into um, and it's something that I've always been in, been interested in. Um, science and technology just has been the one thing that growing up I thought I was going to be a scientist. But then I changed and I thought, no, no, I want to be a journalist. I want to be a writer. No, I want to be a broadcaster. I want to be an actor. Well, what if I could combine all those things into one or try and do a little bit of everything? And I think that's where I've come to now. And it's really quite bizarre how things turn out. But yeah, I, I, I would never have imagined that I could have got to the point that I, I have now. It was always literally a dream to be able to do that. Um, but I didn't realise that it, 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 it could actually happen. Um, yeah. I think, And I think that's the kind of 
ideal situation isn't it with a freelance career that it's, it's more of a portfolio career where you can follow your different passions and if you're able to juggle those and, and maybe find a common thread um, throughout that that it can be really kind of exciting and challenging and stimulating to be able to do that. Dean I wonder if we could kind of bring you in um, and if you could tell us a bit more about what it is that you do and how you've kind of built up your journalism as a side hustle. Yeah, so like like Wasim, I've kind of had a um, fairly unconventional uh, journey into um, freelance journalism. Um, uh, I started the blog uh, to do uh, original stories. Um, I sort of had it in the back of my head that, that I would eventually land a, um, a job at a journal journalism news outlet. Um, uh, I started writing stories in the blog and um, always try to do original reporting or have some sort of uh, original take, which I would then uh, send out to journalists, working journalists. And a lot of the stories got picked up in mainstream uh, news publications. So um, eventually uh, some of the, the places that picked up the stories, um, some of the editors there, they, they invited me to uh, to send them pitches directly. So I, I actually didn't look, for, I didn't go looking for a, a freelance journalism career at all. It just sort of came to me. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that's really, for um, it shows that you've got some really good ideas, I think, and sources and types of stories, perhaps on topics that other people aren't looking at. If, you know, if those ideas are getting picked up quite quickly, and then, um, you know, those editors are saying pictures more things. Do you feel like you're working in an area that is quite niche and that there's a potential for lots of stories that other people aren't noticing maybe? Well, I, I think that um, the fact that I don't really have a formal uh, journalism background actually benefited me because um, I kind of had to think on my feet and just be resourceful and use tools at my disposal that maybe uh, professional journalism journalists weren't using, you know? They have all the, the tools at their disposal to use. Um, so I was, I was having to find um, uh, different ways to find stories and report them out. Yeah, it just shows, doesn't it? And we've talked about this on the podcast so many times before that there's no one route into journalism. There are so many different ways. Um, that you can get started in this career if you're interested uh, in journalism. Um, Wasim, something that um, we get asked about a lot is when you're doing lots of different things, how do you brand yourself? Um, you know, perhaps you're a freelance journalist, but you have quite a serious um, side hustle. Or like you, it's kind of even more balanced. You're just doing lots of things. You've got the future. Um, tech show coming out you've got Pennyworth how do you then kind of online brand yourself to let people know what it is uh, that you do I won't pretend for a second that it's 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 hugely challenging it's really difficult um, especially if you're new to freelancing um, like I have been um, because as a non-freelance journalist starting out like that you're you're sort of almost conditioned to behave in, in a certain way as a staff journalist. And suddenly, when you make the change, it, it, it can feel quite lonely in, in, a, in a respect. And, 
Um, it's actually the union, the NUJ, that's been really helpful for me and the freelance branch in London um, to help me to get to grips with this new way of working, because that's what it is. Um, you you realise that you begin to get set in your old ways. And so getting out of that and seeing the bigger picture that there is a life and a world outside of this this box that you've put yourself in. Nobody else has done that. You yourself tend to do that to yourself. And once you come out of that and you realise there's a bigger world, um, you can embrace that. Um, and that's simply what I've done. I've been absorbing so much information about how to balance things. It's still a work in progress. I don't uh, pretend for a minute that I have the formula to success. Um, but but I know that um, slowly, day by day, week by week, I'm making progress in figuring out that balance and how to make it work um but yeah it is very very difficult um and i think some of the barriers we place in front of ourselves more than anything um we you know from for me i i fell into the trap of high production values on my podcast and my my show which is a web video series called the future tech show and I began to treat it like a uh, a television production um, in 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 line with something like Click, which I was very familiar with. I knew the production process, um, but without the production team, I am a one man band as a freelance. And it's also after having completed my first episode of that, I then realized how I need to change and adapt that um, for my own sanity and well-being. Um, more than anything, because as a freelancer, you can fall into the trap of trying to do far too much too soon, too quickly. And there is a risk that you could burn out. Um, and I read so much online about that and I wanted to avoid that. So I took a deep breath and took a step back and tried to readapt how I was working in the workflow. And so I've learned that you can take your time over that, especially if you're doing more than one thing journalism is now funnily enough it's I, I tend to think of it as my side hustle quite quite frankly right now because all my other projects have have um, taken a lot of my energy and time um, and so I've had to rebalance things a lot um, whereas I know some people would have journalism as their main portfolio of work and then other things as a side hustle for me it's turned the other way around but it's something that I'm I'm trying to be careful that I still want to maintain the balance between all the different things that I do I want to maintain the amount of journalism that I produce for that show and um yeah it's a work in progress but it's really exciting and I suppose it changes over time so there'll be points at which when Pennyworth is coming out that you're going to be promoting the acting side of it and on social media that's what you're going to be talking about um I mean Lily because you have the running side and the journalism side do you have a strategy for kind of where you promote different bits of your work and different aspects of what you do yeah so I took a conscious decision to kind of separate out my social media um, so Instagram really is where my my running focus is. So anything to do with my running or my coaching is on Instagram. And I I will mention journalism in there, but only if it's um, running related. So I, I write for the running press. So I'll promote that stuff on there, but not my sort of health and 
personal finance. And then I've got a sort of Facebook page, which is just for my running groups. Um, so again, I kind of try and separate that out. And then Twitter is more for my general, everything else that I do, I guess. Um, and certainly my website is all sort of journalism and academic stuff. There's no mention of running on there, but that may change. I don't know. That's, you know, it, like Wazim says, it's kind of like a work in progress all the time. And you're sort of learning how to adapt and how to promote yourself in different ways. Um, and I've Dean, I'm really interested to hear your take on this, because obviously if you're working as a chef, you know, how are you kind of finding time to fit in the journalism alongside that? And do the people that you work for kind of know that, you know, you're working as a chef most of the time? Uh, it's funny you mentioned that, because uh, I think I got about four hours sleep last night because <laughs> I'm working on a story. Uh, and I did that after coming home from a, from a shift in my work. Um, yeah, my rule is that um, I only work, I only do one story at a time. It's usually, uh, I tend to lean into these deeply reported uh, stories that um, can take months to do. So I can't really focus on more than one article at a time, especially with um, work as a day job. Um, I think it helps being in hospitality because it's quite a flexible um, area to work in. You know, I can I can work in the morning or I can work at night. And if I need to uh, set up an interview with somebody uh, in the UK, I can I can take the morning off. Or if I need to talk to someone in the US who's a few hours behind, I can talk to them in my nighttime. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like planning's quite important. So you know when your shifts are, and then you can kind of work the other stuff around that, basically, and that's how you can juggle it. Yeah. Um, I think uh, some of the editors editors that I I worked for find it quite funny that I I work in a kitchen, especially with the story that I'm doing at the minute because um, it's all about um, Vladimir Putin's propagandist who is also known as Putin's chef, that's his nickname. So it's kind of, I just found it funny, you know, he's a chef, I'm a chef. <laughs> yeah, I think the editors probably like the fact that you're living quite a unique life. I think that's something that kind of separates you out. And if you're delivering, you're providing the good, that's all they're really interested in. Um, yeah, well, I, Seema, I want to come to. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. I totally agree with Dean there. Um, and also think that that um, bringing yourself into it can really help editors to 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 see how your your take on things is different to others and give you that sense of uniqueness. Um, yeah, um, absolutely. Definitely. Well, it comes back to the branding we were talking about. You're the brand. This is what we always say, rather than trying to put yourself in a box. It's about kind of you and your skills. And um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, Wasim, is when say one part of your career takes off perhaps if you know the acting side has been kind of more of a focus recently is it hard to then let go of other aspects that had always defined you before certain aspects of your career that you were kind of known for doing when you're moving into new things is it hard to kind of relinquish that this is what I do that has been probably the the hardest thing over the last three years um personally um but I've just recently come, come to 
an agreement with myself that um, it's okay and that all these things can coexist as long as I'm prepared to give each thing the time that it needs um, and that you're not racing against anybody else but yourself. Um, so I'm now much more comfortable with, with it all and the, and, the, and the kind of the pace at which everything is going, which probably I wasn't before. Um, and yeah, it's been trial and error um, and still a learning journey. But I think that, that I think that's helped inject a bit of excitement into everything for me. Um, and that is the thing that I'm thriving on right now. And yes, as you say, the acting stuff has been taking a lot of focus um, lately because of all the things that I'm involved in. Um, a couple of projects that I did uh, last year, they, they're, they're up for awards at the British Arrows, for example, um, and the Charity Film Awards. And then, of course, I've got the Pennyworth uh, series, uh, lots of promotion from Warner Brothers for that this year uh, for, the, for the start of the new third season on HBO Max so it's all go this year but I do know that I still want to retain that journalism focus and in particular the science and technology specialism that I built up towards the latter half of my time at the BBC um, so it's something that I really don't want to let go of um, and I'm I'm finding ever new ways to sort of bring that out in, into the open into the public um, and the podcast and the web series is just one start of that. Um, the other part of it is, as a tech expert, um, offering my expertise on technology and consumer gadgets. Um, so, so hopefully that will will take hold as well this year. Um, but yeah, as you say, um, it's 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 a very difficult balancing act. It can be, but I. I tend to be sort of more relaxed about it now than I was at the outset, thinking, wow, how am I going to cope with all of this going on? Uh, and now it's just another form of, well, the thing that I, I was really addicted to in broadcast journalism was adrenaline, the daily rush of the unexpected, the breaking stories of what's happening in the tech world, especially in Silicon Fen which describes the area around Cambridge and the home counties, which is like almost like the Silicon Valley of the UK. Um, and going from that into acting and a mix of everything else altogether, um, I've just found a new vehicle for that adrenaline to excite me, to keep me going in different, different directions. Yeah, and I, I can see how... Um... I can see it kind of mirrors there with myself. I get quite restless and I think that's why I've ended up with this portfolio career because, you know, I had a stint in newspapers and I had a stint in academia and then I sort of came out and went freelance and then that freelance has started to become lots of different things. I think if you are a restless person, having lots of different side hustles means that you never get bored and that actually, like you say, you can tell yourself it's okay to stop doing something and to move, move on to something else. Um, Dean, I just wanted to ask you, do, do you ever see a time where your your freelance journalism sort of overtakes your work as a chef? Is is that kind of where you would like to be? Or for you, is it always something that, that's more of a sort of passion that you'll do on the side? Um, well, originally I, I uh, had wanted to um, have a job as a journalist full time. 
but I kind of, I think I enjoy doing freelance work. Um, I get to pick my own stories. Um, uh, I get to set my own schedule and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would completely agree with that. I would never ever go back to a staff job. I think you're, I think you're right to uh, enjoy the kind of variety and control that freelancing gives you has that yeah, built up over uh, time are you doing more freelancing now than perhaps when you first no I, I i tend i just tend to do a few stories a year i don't i don't do many because I, I they're they usually take months to report you know um i've sort of leaned into these deep investigations um you know i just kind of follow my nose uh i, I don't really have any sort of strategy for I'm building up my my freelance um, work. Uh, I just kind of follow my interests. Um, so one one moment I could be writing about Charlie Sheen, and the next I'm writing about um, you know fake human rights organizations uh, committed crimes around the globe. Yeah, I mean that's what keeps you interested. I think as a journalist, when you're writing about things that you care about and that you're doing kind of new topics all the time. Um, I know that that's definitely why I left my last staff job because I just felt like the same stories were coming around and I was just on some kind of treadmill of right. writing the same thing. So I think that's definitely one of the benefits of being freelance and just, yeah. Yeah, just, there's, there's a lot of freedom yeah, to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're seeing, do the two aspects of your work ever clash in weird ways? Oh, all the time lately. Yes, absolutely. Um, so um, I was hoping to have started my tech show um, from the Consumer Electronics Show at the start of the year. Unfortunately, that wasn't to be because of demands of corporate clients that um, that are, uh, uh, that sort of, I would say, help to pay the bills because um, the corporate and commercial world is very, very highly paid. And um, it, that that is another aspect of going freelance that I'm having to to juggle um, especially with with a, a side hustle like a tech show um, trying to make that pay through advertising and commercial sponsorships uh, versus stuff that is really tangible and there and available now um, that is that is the the um, the ongoing sort of battle um, but I want to be in a position where that that can be better um, but I realise I've got to start somewhere um, so yeah um, that is that is a very big uh, point. And what about tax I mean <laughs> does that get complicated do you because I know for me I have to have I basically bung pretty much everything under journalism even teaching and training but then the running I can't really bung that under there so I have a separate um just a name really that I put those um money through how do you do that if you've got all these different strands so so all my strands the way I see it is that they're all related to storytelling and broadcasting or media production so all of that goes through my um sole trader Merza Productions and that's the way I that the way I've handled it so far, and so all my corporate commercial stuff. If I'm presenting for a company, that will all go through Merza Productions as well as all the expenses for my 
my tech show, for example, everything goes under the one banner. Um, that I know that might not work for everybody, but in my sort of sense, um, I'm always producing something that's either audible or visual in the recorded sense. And so all of that tends to fit nicely through that one bracket so far. Um, but yes, coming back to an earlier point you made, Lily, which I found really fascinating, the one about branding and how you've split things up um, between the different social media platforms. That's something I've yet to do. And I've just found it, I've probably fallen into the trap of just doing everything under the one one uh, banner so far. Um, but there will come a time where I do need to seriously look at that and try to split that out um, into different accounts. And that's going to be um, the way I think of it. That's going to open up a whole can of worms for me as well about time management on that and how to manage all those different social media accounts. And yeah, there's lots of different apps to do that for you. Um, but yeah, it's another yet another thing to consider. So much stuff to, to go through. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is really tricky. People do ask us about how they do uh, this with portfolios. So on mine, I have I mean, it's all related to journalism but I'll have a section on the journalism section on the teaching a section on freelancing for journalists like a section on all these kind of different aspects to the journalism career because different people are coming in at like it depends what they want before do they I have a section on editing work that I do as well it's like which kind of just to help them navigate to the right thing but it's really difficult because you kind of end you can end up with a site that looks a bit messier it's hard to it's hard to figure out sometimes yeah and I know people that have separate websites, so they'll have one for like just journalism and then another one for copywriting and PR. And they might even have two email addresses as well with different email signatures. So, you know, there's different ways of doing it, isn't it? And it's just finding out what works for you. And like from a time management point of view, like you say, how how you can juggle that in the best way. Um, yeah. There is somebody that... Um in a weird sort of way, I, I was chatting to at my uh, former drama school um, and who said that they were very good friends with somebody from CNN who was a television reporter um, traveling the world, but is also training to be an actor at the same time. And I was desperately trying to search him out because I, I'd love to chat about how he manages to do things um, because I've not been able to find anybody that has this weird sort of strange mix and um yeah if if he's listening get in touch <laughs> okay fantastic I know it is about networking isn't it and finding those people who are similar I had a conversation with someone last week who wanted to talk to me because they were planning a kind of similar route to me and if there are not that many people around yeah forming those networks can be really key so we're going to round up today's chat. So um, I'd like to ask you both to end for your one top bit of takeaway advice from today's chat. So Wasim, um, what would be the sort of one top tip that you would take away from the episode today? I think it's Lily's comment about um, splitting your branding between the different avenues that you're doing, especially when you're doing more than one uh, type of work. Um, yeah, that's something I, I really need to look into and I, uh, I think that's a really good, good some good advice there as well thank you <laughs> I'm just making up as I go along just like everybody else and Dean how about you what kind of one perhaps advice piece of advice you give to other people or one thing that's come out of the discussion today um, I'd say if you're foolhardy enough to do this as a side hustle um, 
maybe uh, take a break every now and then um, so you don't get burnout and uh, lay off the coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That is so true because if you you are, you know, trying to do too much, it, it's, it's easy to reach that burnout point. And um, yeah, definitely taking a break, um, taking time out. And if you don't have to do it, then kind yeah. of don't put yourself through it. Yeah, exactly. Really good advice. Absolutely. Well-being is like the number one issue, isn't it, over the last two years? And because of the pandemic, everybody's talking about well-being, but it's so much more important as a freelancer. Um, I try and split out some of my week just focusing on me and nothing else. Um, and it's so important as a freelancer. Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you very much. As a way then of sharing the freelance love, um, we want to ask both of you if there's a freelance journalist that's caught your eye recently, perhaps someone who's done a really good piece of work or someone you admire. So, Dean, if I come to you first, have you got a recommendation for our listeners? Um, so uh, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Jane Litvinenko, who... Um, previously worked for BuzzFeed and uh, she's recently gone freelance um, and she did a really interesting piece for The Atlantic um, a personal piece it's a different side of her I hadn't, I hadn't seen before she's a Ukrainian Canadian journalist so she did a personal piece about Ukraine that um, that was really interesting and she also did some on, on the ground reporting recently for The Guardian which is also about um, the whole Ukraine crisis that's happening at the minute Okay, fantastic. That's a brilliant recommendation and uh, um, obviously very relevant at the moment. We will put all the uh, links to um, articles that people mentioned in the show notes if people are interested. Um, Wasim, same question to you. It has to be for me, Carol Cadwallader, because um, I was just enthralled by the way in which she lifted that lid on the Cambridge uh, Facebook Analytica scandal that erupted um, in 2018 and um, it, it, it's just one of those points for me that resonated that that here is somebody that's that's an activist as much as a freelance journalist an activist um, campaigning for uh, bringing truth to power and all the rest of it and yeah she's one of the reasons that attracted me to journalism um, when I was at school um, um, you know so uh, yeah it's got to be Carol Cadwallader I can see Emma smiling away she's she's a bit of a fan I've been girl. waiting for someone <laughs> to mention her, to mention her in her um, uh, in our recommendation slot so yeah uh, I, yeah I would completely I, agree just with courageous completely courageous and just without any sort of fear or favour um and, and objectively just setting about her tasks and yeah it's just been great to watch her succeed through all that she's done yeah great recommendation brilliant okay time to bring this episode to a close um it's been really great chatting to you both we've, we've learned a lot and we we hope our listeners have found this really helpful yeah. 
Yes, so we talked a bit about networking there. If you want to make more connections, come and join our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community. Uh, We now have 5,000 members on there. Yes, and we're also on Twitter where we are at Freelancing4 and you can follow us individually. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Gerno. And we also want to say thanks to our research assistant, Helen Quinn, and our producer, Maddie Drury. And we'll be back again next week. So goodbye for now. Bye.